Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Well, I'm Melanie. I'm one of the leaders here at Victory, and it's so good to be with you. It's such an honor to share the word this morning. Um, so we're going to jump into the word. Am I okay? Okay. Um, so we're going to start with Matthew chapter 8. And I want you to picture in your mind, this is like a, literally a day in the life of Jesus. Okay. So Matthew 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, A centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done as you have believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed, were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. Verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and the disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that we can see that the people who followed you are real people uh, with real struggles like what we have. And God, I just pray that you would just speak through me to your people, God. I just humble myself before you. God, I thank you for the lessons that you've shown me. And I pray that they would be real to those who are hearing your words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I don't know about you guys, but I'm somebody who likes to people watch. I'm kind of uh, a nerd when it comes to human behavior and psychology and stuff. And I just enjoy watching people. And um, maybe sometimes I get a little judgy or it's like, how do you live day to day? Like you just kind of watch how people interact. And, you know, um, I was thinking about this and uh, decided that, you know, my retirement plan is for Jeremy and I to get old and cute and be that old couple that holds hands and does like the mall walking. And then when we get too tired, we'll just sit and people watch like hashtag life goals. That's, that's kind of what I'm going for. But so, but what I want us to do is kind of people watch this passage in Matthew chapter eight for a second and think about um, those, those people in the stories and maybe which one would you identify the most with? Like, I wonder if I would be like the humble centurion that's like, okay, my house is messy, don't come to my house, but you can say something from a distance, or would I be the one freaking out on the boat? Would I be the one making excuses? Like, who, who would I be? Um, but all these stories show different responses to who each of these people believed Jesus to be, and I think that's the common theme that we're going to focus on this morning is, is belief, and, and the word believe. We see all these people from all different walks of life interfacing with Jesus in Matthew 8, and they're all coming to him and the way they interact with him was based on their need and based on who they believed Jesus to be. So, for example, the man with leprosy, he believed that Jesus could heal, but he wasn't yet sure if Jesus was willing. The centurion, he believed that Jesus was powerful enough to heal even from a distance, but he maybe didn't believe that he was worthy of an intimate interaction with Jesus. And then you have the many who came or brought others to Jesus that needed to be healed. They had to have some measure of belief, some measure of faith or hope that Jesus could and, and would do for them, like what he'd done for other people that they'd heard about. And then you have like the potential disciples who were like on the fence and it's like, like maybe I want to follow you. Maybe I, maybe I don't like this isn't really a good time. Maybe this is too risky. I'm not really sure. And then you have the disciples who had, they were on the boat with Jesus in the storm and you know, they've seen Jesus have authority over demons and over diseases and stuff, but like over Mother Nature, like they hadn't, hadn't really seen that yet. You know, so everybody was at a different place in where they believed and how they were coming to Jesus. But their, the behavior of, of the people in this passage gives us a good look at what was maybe happening inside their hearts and their minds. Um, and I just want to say, thank you, worship team. That was amazing. And I just want you to know as we go through this, because I was just like laughing to myself and having a moment by myself, because you don't know what else I'm going to say. Like that could not have been a more perfect worship set. And I just love how Brenda and I were joking. It's like God speaks to, to people at the same time. It's pretty great. Um, okay. So some of the people in the story were full of faith. Some were expecting a miracle. Others were distracted and afraid. And these emotions are, and thoughts are seen in how they, how they interacted with Jesus, right? And um, recently I heard a teaching about how our thoughts and our emotions influence our behavior. It was a lady named Dr. Anita Phillips, and the title of her message is, How Are You? You have some time. It's on YouTube. I highly encourage it. Um, in this teaching, she unpacks this pattern of thinking and behaving that I really found fascinating, and it's really honestly rocked my world the last few months. Um, can, you, can you go and put that slide up for me? So this is what she says. So she says, we have our behavior, and our behavior is based off of our thoughts. What are we thinking? This is what determines how we act. But what we're thinking is based on how we're feeling, our emotions. And our emotions come from what we know, what we believe. And so we live in this pattern of believing, feeling, thinking, behaving. 
And you can take any scenario in life, any story of the Bible, and you can, you can match it perfectly up to this pattern. And this pattern can be good, and it can, or it can be destructive, right? It's, it's simple, and it makes a lot of sense, but sometimes we miss this approach in the way we do our faith and the way we act it out. So, like, for example, maybe you are feeling anxious, or maybe you're just irritated or, or anxious or depressed or jealous or whatever. You might have this feeling, and you may not even know what you're feeling. You just see it in your behavior, and other people see it in your behavior. But, right, like, maybe you're finding, like, you're, you're just irritated. You're snippy. You're short. You don't want to be with people. Like, you're just like, ah, you know, what is that? And, you know, in, in the church, and it's a good thing, like we're encouraged to like take every thought captive, right? And, and that's a good thing, but that's not where we should stop. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes there's too many thoughts to catch them all, right? It's like Pokemon. You're not going to catch them all. Like don't, like we need to make an effort, but that can't be the end goal, right? But we rebuke the enemy of our mind and we fight for this battlefield of our mind for victory, but if that's not the true source of our behavior, if that's not the real source of the problem, we are wearing ourselves out for nothing, right? It's kind of like those memes, you know, like what, what you think you look like versus what you actually look like. And if you, if you don't know, I've uh, got a couple. I'm not obviously a runner, so we're going to make fun of running. So there's one, right, what you think you look like versus what you actually look like. And then the, the next one is for the dog lovers, um, what you think you look like, what you may actually look like. The same is true for our behavior. Often we think we're behaving a certain way in a stressful situation because it's our anxious thoughts. But maybe we need to go a little deeper into our emotions and our beliefs. For me, it's, it's easier maybe to stay at the thought level because I can externalize that, right? My thoughts are just a recounting of what was said, what was done, right? Like it's all external, but you want to get to my emotions. That's, that's only me. That's fully me. That's the deepest part of me. That's vulnerable. That might be scary. That might be painful, right? But we need to go all the way down there. Maybe I don't know how I feel. Maybe like that situation where you're just kind of snippy and, and on edge. And maybe I don't want to name that emotion because I know as soon as I name it, I'm going to feel it, Right? But we, we need to have some language to wrap around our emotions. And I don't think that's something that we've done well as a cultural thing. You know, kind of the phrases right now is I'm all in my feelings or I feel some kind of way. What does that mean? You don't know. That's why you're saying that. And um, can you go and put that slide up for the feeling well? It's called a feeling well. And somebody introduced this to me recently. And it was, it's just fascinating that you have these core beliefs, not core beliefs, these core emotions, and then it kind of phases out from there. You know, maybe sometimes you need to take a feeling wheel or something and look at it and see, like, where where am I on the map? Like, where am I really? We have one of these on our fridge because I really want our kids to, like, be able to look at it, like, get some language around what it is that you actually feel because there's power in naming your emotions because that's what sets you on the journey to healing. Anybody, I'm going to date myself, but the, um, the G.I. Joe cartoon, anybody watch that cartoon when they were a kid, right? I knew you would. I think so. I can count on my husband. Um, so, and James. What would a sermon be without calling out James? So, um, um, 
But in the in the GI Joe, it's like this army kind of cartoon. I, my brother watched it. I I just was there. But at the end of like every episode, like there was somebody doing something foolish. Like Bobby, you shouldn't pour gasoline near a fire. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. And it was like, and it was like, uh, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. You're welcome. Okay, for those who needed closure, I just wanted to create that space for you. Um, but knowing is half the battle, right? It's like an addiction. You know, you have to admit that there's a problem. Like, that's the first step. Like, there's a problem, and you got to know what the problem is before you can get to the end result. Recently, I was going through this struggle where I was feeling some kind of way, and I was so, I was being taken out, if I'm honest, by my feelings, my thoughts, my behaviors, and I didn't, I didn't understand, like, what, what is this? Like, why, why do I feel like I'm just being taken out um, I was very acquainted with my behaviors. I was very acquainted with my thoughts because they never left. And my emotions, I was kind of getting a handle on it. And that's when I came across this teaching by the Dr. Anita Phillips that I was talking about. And she explained this cycle, this, you know, believing, feeling, thinking, and behaving. And so I asked the Lord, I was like, okay, like I got a handle on the first three for the most part, but what am I believing? And he spoke so clearly to me. And he said, you believe you're an orphan. And I was like, shocked. I was like, how is that true? Grown up in church my whole life. I know know better than that. But he said that I was clinging to this works-based belief of favor and not one of this favored child whose heavenly father loves to delight in and care for. And it totally changes how you approach things. Like he showed me over the last few months that I believe that I was called to something and that he had given me what I needed to start. But what I was believing is that that seed that he had given me, that it was mine to till the ground. It was mine to plant the seed. It was mine to pull up the weeds. It was my job to do everything that was necessary to make this seed successful. And that if I didn't, the results were going to be tragic. And God was going to be so disappointed. And the weight of all that was what was taking me out physically, emotionally, spiritually, behaviorally, don't ask my family about it, but it was determined not to let anyone down. But the irony of it all, it was, it was tanking every area of my life. Every area of my life was, was suffering. See, I, like, I knew these things in my mind, right? Because I'd gone to church, I'd learned them, but I struggled to really, really, really know, no, 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 to get it from here to here, to know it like I know my own name. And I was, I was preparing this, I was thinking about the scripture that talks about like, how I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing in these destructive cycles that we find ourselves in. And I wonder, is the root of all of that, what are you believing? Like, when it comes down to it, what are you believing about God? The last few months have been a really intense, wonderful journey with God about learning how to truly rest and to trust Him as my Heavenly Father to really, really believe when I feel those emotions rising up and my thoughts start spinning out, to know, go back to what do I know? And not like a no, like, yes, I can answer that, answer that Bible trivia question, but like, like a deep, deep knowing. Um, and if I hadn't really, if God hadn't given me that revelation, I feel like I would still be like trying to take every thought captive and trying to make myself behave. But when the root of it all was what did I believe? I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV, um, but when I do watch, like I'm not a binge person, but if I do binge, like the show that I most like to binge is the show called Say Yes to the Dress, which is such a girly show. So if you don't know, it's really okay. But um, and in the show, it's basically like, you know, 
a reality show of women finding their wedding dress. And um, and they're, the one in the, in the like, based in America is, like, a lot of family drama kind of stuff like you would expect. But there's one that's out of the UK, and there's this guy named Gok, G-O-K. And I love watching his because, like, inevitably, the women that come into his shop, like, have some sort of story, some sort of emotional scar, or maybe a physical scar of something that they've been through, like, and, you know, inevitably what happens is, is like, the woman, like, starts to try on dresses, but she's like, no, not, mm -mm." like, nothing, nothing really suits her, and so he really digs into what do you believe, and these stories start coming out about how they really feel about themselves, and what they really believe about themselves. And then he starts to really dig into that. And what he has to work to help them see is to see themselves as a bride, to see themselves as worthy of love, to see themselves as beautiful enough and loved enough to be a bride. And once they can get that straight, they're okay wearing the dress. And then they find their dress and it's beautiful and it's tears. And that's why I love it. But I feel like the same is true for us as believers. You have to believe that you're loved and chosen. You have to see yourself as the bride of Christ, to be willing to wear the garments that identify you as one. Like, some of us are just thankful to be saved, right? Like, we know our story. We're going to the wedding feast when Jesus comes. Hooray, hooray. But we have a real hard time seeing ourselves as the bride. The garment of praise, mm, it just isn't fit right. That mantle of holiness, that, that garment of righteousness, it's like, um, I don't... I don't know that, that that really fits me. And maybe we were like, well, I'm just going to choose to continue to wear these garments of shame because that's my testimony. It's going to continue to remind me of what I used to be and what God saved me from. And, but we keep those garments on. And we're like the prodigal son who's come home. And, and you know, he's God's trying to throw a party for you and, and give you the robe and give you the sandals and give you the ring. But, you know, we're not so sure that we're going to the party. We think it's humility to wear the same clothes so we can be reminded of how he saved us. But they aren't the garments of our testimony. Those new clothing, that's the garment of the testimony because you would have never earned those on your own. Like he's thrown the party, but mentally and emotionally we're taking ourselves off the guest list. And I shared a word about this a few weeks ago and I remember hearing myself say, we will never walk in the authority that we are supposed to have that God has given us until we believe and see us ourselves as God sees us. And that's been echoing in my spirit ever since. Um, a few months before, a friend of mine prophesied over me, like months, like I'm hard-headed. It takes me a while sometimes. But she said, God is trying to do something amazing through you, but you're getting in the way. And I, I was like, oh my goodness, and this is a really trusted source. So I knew it was from the Lord. And, and the way it hit me, I knew it was from the Lord. And so like, I prayed and I repented and I was like, God, whatever this is, and I, I like kept trying to lay it down, I realized I don't know how to lay this down. Like I don't, I don't even know how to lay it down. And it was how God showed me over these last few months that I need to first believe that I'm not called to walk out this calling by myself, right? Sometimes we believe that like Jesus has given me this starter kit, right? And then I'm expected to build the whole thing without instructions. Like I'm responsible to do it all, and that's not true, um, we're responsible to do the next thing, and then the next thing, and the next thing. And I can't get so wrapped up about what the end looks like that I'm, I'm messing up right now. That it's like a daily, it's an hourly, it's a moment-by-moment moment surrender. It's a conversation. The image that I had is like, you know, I'm here, and he, he's putting his arms around me, and he's putting my, his hands over my hands as we do the thing. 
Like it's a step-by-step thing. Our Heavenly Father is always speaking His truth over us and that calling that word of truth to bear fruit. His word says it, it doesn't return void. So when we, we let those seeds of what He's saying fall on our tender heart, it always bears good fruit. It reminds me of a couple of stories that I want to connect um, with you guys. Um, Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the seed. It says, starting in verse 2, He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along the rocky place, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus asked his disciples, excuse me, the disciples asked Jesus to explain the parable. So in verse 14 is when he starts to explain. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was, of what was sown. Verse 19 talks about the worries of this life being the thorns that steal the word from our hearts if we let them. Those anxieties, those fears, those things that we were talking about that take us out mentally and emotionally and our thoughts and our emotions. And it reminds me, uh, we're just going to, I got a couple good chunks of word. We're just going to weave them all together here. Um, Reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha, which is in Luke 10. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. See, Martha opened her home, but she didn't open her heart. God made flesh was sitting in her living room, scattering seed of truth, and it fell on the rocky soil for her because she was choked out because she was worried about many things. But Mary's heart was the good soil, and it was ready to receive, letting it take root until she believed it deep in her heart. Pastor Mike had a great sermon about Mary and Martha about a month or so ago. I really encourage you to check that out on the podcast. But we, we build on what we know on what we believe. And when our foundation is shaky, so is what we build. So last, last scripture. So you guys are doing good. Hanging in with me the word this morning, right? The parable of the house in Luke 6. Um, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man, a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. 
But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. If we're going to survive the storms of life, our faith has to dig deep. You know, um, Jesus didn't come to, to change our behavior and make us think positive thoughts. Like, he came all the way down to our beliefs and our emotions. Like, he came for all of us. And that the word torrent that used here in the um, parable of the house, the torrent that came and struck the house, in the King James Version of Matthew 8 uses the same word to describe the storm that the disciples were in with Jesus in the boat. And as I understand it, that word doesn't mean a storm like just a thunderstorm, but it means like an earthquake, which is why Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. Because if it was just a storm, he could speak to the wind and the waves would have calmed down. But there was this shaking underneath the ground, too. That's what was making the waves so big. You know, what happens in life when you have these situations where the external, like, the wind is blowing, but there's some foundation shaking, too. Like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you, when you're questioning the things that you even think that you know? Like, God, I thought you were a healer, but they still died. God, I thought you were my provider, but this, this is still happening. I, what, what do you do in those moments where you've got this foundation shaking and you've got all this stuff going on? What do you do? And it's not like Jesus was, sorry, what do you do? Just like the disciples, you go and wake the word. You wake the word that's within you. They woke up Jesus, the word made flesh, because they felt like he, they believed he could do something. They didn't know what he would do, but they knew that he could do something. When we're struggling, we need to wake the word within us. We need to go back to what do you know? What do you know about God? What do you really, really know? And here's some of the truths that we can know. His mercies are new every morning. His promises are true. His word doesn't return void. Come on, who am I talking to this morning? He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He loves us with an unfailing love that is not performance-based. He promises he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's all-sufficient. The list goes on and on. And we need to speak to the storm. We need to wake the word that's within us until the storm calms down. We need to speak it over and over and over until that seed buries deep in our heart. It cracks open. It, it forms a root. And it keeps going until the fruit pops out. Yes, we need to, like, yeah, acknowledge your behavior and repent. Apologize to your family. Acknowledge your thoughts. Take them captive. Surrender them. But you also have to acknowledge how you feel. God gave you every emotion for a reason. I love what Brenda has said, and I've repeated it many times. And I'm going to do it again. God has given you those emotions for a reason. Feel it. For a little while. Don't stick, don't stay there. But let it be a conversation starter between you and God. Because you need to let God sit with you in the mess of it all and be reminded of what you know, or at least of the word that's planted within you until it's so deep enough and long enough, that root is so deep enough that you can say that I truly know that I know that I know this. And maybe like me, you've got some foundational beliefs that God needs to work on. There's several years back, that I felt like God was doing something. It was really messing with my foundation. I felt like I was being punished. And I went to the Lord and was like, what's, you know, what's going on here? And he said, your current foundation won't hold what I'm trying to build. And I was like, okay, do what you got to do. But what is God trying to build in and through you? But you're afraid to admit it. Because if you admit it, when you start that journey, it's out of your hands, right? Um, I was thinking about like, what, what's... 
like a, a like a f formula for those who need something to do. What's a formula? Like if you're on fire, what are the three things you're supposed to do? Stop, drop, and roll, right? This is the pattern that God has shown me, that we need to stop, hear, believe, get up, go. Let me say it again. Stop, hear, believe, get up, go. First, stop. Like sometimes we need to be intentional to create some quiet because you're not going to hear if you don't stop, right? Then we have to acknowledge that his thoughts are above ours. Be believe. Like maybe you're in that I believe, help my unbelief phase. You know, I don't think you're alone if you are. But my prayer has been, Lord, let your voice be louder than my fear and undo my unbelief. We've got to let the seed take root by laying down our anxieties and watering what we know until the root is strong enough in my spirit to start to bloom. I get up. I change my thoughts. I change my behavior. You know, as I was thinking about this, I, don't, I can't think of a single story in the Bible where Jesus didn't say something to somebody, and if they believed him, they didn't physically get up and do something. I go. I obey. I see. I receive. He moves. I refuse to be stuck. Right? Stop. Hear. Believe. Get up. Go. What about you today? What's your storm? What is it that you're dealing with? What, what are those behaviors that you, you find yourself doing but you don't want to do and the thing that you want to do, you can't just seem to get there? Like what thoughts are living on repeat in your mind? What emotions are consuming you? Let's go all the way back. What do you know? What are you believing? You know, if, if, if you have never believed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the, the foundation of foundations, right? Like, we have to believe they came for us, for us, not for, like, yes, for the whole world, but he came for you, for you, for you, for you, that he has a mission, a calling, a purpose for you, that he loves you, that he is here for you, that he died for you, that he rose again for you, that salvation is for you. If you've never prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, we would love to be a part of that with you today. If you're online and you choose to make that decision, please go to our website at victorychristian.church and click on Next Steps because we want to walk with you, right? If you're in a storm today and you need prayer, let us wake the word with you. Sometimes you need somebody to wake the word with you. We're here to walk together. And all the stories of the opening passage in, in Matthew 8, people were doing life together. There were those who believed who were bringing people to Jesus who couldn't get there on their own. We're here for you. We're here for each other. We're family. If you need prayer, don't leave without getting prayer today. Come on up. Um, just have everybody close our eyes. We're just going to be before the Lord for a minute. And God, I just, I thank you for your presence. Father, I just thank you that you want to wake the word, Lord, that you didn't put seed in us for no good reason. But God, we just claim back that which has been stolen, that which has been picked up and torn apart and, and didn't have a chance to take root. God, I just ask that you sow seed of faith today. Lord, I just thank you like the song that we sung earlier this morning. God, that you said it. We believe it. It's done. God, let it be what you say. Like Mary, when you came, when the angel came to her and said she was going to, to bear Jesus, God, that, that she said, I don't know how this is going to happen, but let it be as you said. God, let it be as you say to us. And Father, I just ask right now that you reveal our heart, our mind, Lord, our thoughts, our behaviors, our emotions, and down all the way to our beliefs, those core foundational beliefs, God. Deal with us, Lord, if there is a lie that we have been 
we've incorporated into our foundation, Lord. God, I ask you break it in the name of Jesus and make it real to us. Lord, thank you for your truth, the concrete, the rock of your truth. Lord, let us, like the parable of the house, let us dig deep all the way down to the rock of the truth of who you say you are and who you say we are, and let us build together with you off of that, Father. We thank you, Jesus. You're glorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.